So someone's taken a container ship that is way too long through the Suez Canal and wedged it there somehow and stopped traffic in both directions. So can they dig it out before international trade really grinds to a halt? And bond yields are heading down. Does that mean inflation concerns have gone away? Well, we have a lot of new issuance over the next 24 hours or so. And the UK versus the EU. First, the PMIs, which economy is showing the fastest recovery, but also vaccine wars. Are they going to be a thing? It's Thursday, the 25th of March, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So small moves up in U.S. Uh, treasuries, up two basis points for 10 years. So reversing the falls that we've seen in the uh, first half of the week. Smaller moves in European bonds in stocks. Well, we're being led by the cyclicals with the Nasdaq down 0.7%. The S&P and Dow are up uh, as much as 0.9% up for the Dow. Shares up also across much of Europe, although the DAX is down a third of 1%. The U.S. dollar is up a tiny bit. The Aussie dollar down a tiny bit. The euro and the pound down a bit more, but only 0.2% in total. So that gives you an idea of the magnitude or lack of it in currency moves. Uh, the Kiwi dollar is down a quarter percent. That's down over 6% in the last month compared to the 4.4% drop in the Aussie dollar. So we are seeing that widening. And a big rise in oil, Brent and WTI, both up about 6%, reversing the falls we saw yesterday. Uh, now, two reasons for this. One will be the, the sharp fall in oil stocks in the US for the week of the 19th of March, according to the EIA numbers out overnight, but also a ship has blocked the Suez Canal, so that's going to hurt supply. Uh, Gavin Friend is here uh, this morning, senior market strategist at NAB in London. So just how significant is this uh, th- this news on the Suez Canal, this container ship, the Even Given, which has, uh, has run aground? I mean, they'll dig it out. Life will go back to normal, won't it? Morning, Phil. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I think most people would. Uh, I think that the sort of price action you've seen today in oil prices just uh, reminds us, I guess, on the one hand, how much trade, international trade, passes through choke points such as this, such as the Straits of Hormuz or the Panama Canal. I guess, really, it's the timing of the thing. Uh, That's why I would argue why there's been such a reaction, really, um, because it just won't help um, the shift to higher prices that's already well in train, you know, via supply disruption. So it plays right into that. And the question, yeah. the question we don't know. To your point is, is that that you know, you, you might have been forgiving for thinking today. Well, that'll be moved by the end of the end of the day. Um, well, that's uh, what it's been like all all session overnight, hasn't it? Yes. Really? it's been it's going to be moved in a few hours, and then it wasn't. Look at the, the the quote which I love in the Daily Telegraph in the London Daily, Daily Telegraph today. Uh, they're calling it a two hundred thousand ton fishbone stuck in the windpipe of global commerce. I love that, don't you? That's very apt, isn't it? But I think... But yeah, you, I think can't, you, can't prov- you can't perform the Heinlich manoeuvre uh, to, to get it out. You can't do that with shipping canals. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, and I, and I suppose, you know, you then worry that if it takes longer than thought, you know, repairs and bits and pieces and you can't get craft past it, then are you going to have to send ships around the long way and that's just going to play into this whole dis- the supply disruption thing. But we shall see, I'm sure. Not just oil, the- obviously. That is all the supplies, all those goods out of China, for example, into into Europe. It could all be impacted indeed, by that. Indeed. So let's, indeed, let's indeed. look at bond yields. Uh, so how many times does Jerome Powell have to reassure people that inflation isn't coming anytime soon unless it's fleeting? Uh, but this time, you know, when he said mm. it's the House Financial Services Committee, maybe the markets have paid more attention to him this time, do you think? Uh, I, I certainly think there's a case for them. You know, the, the message is getting through. Um, he, he does keep repeating himself. It's a, a good double act from both him and 
him and uh, uh, US Treasury Secretary Yellen. But I think there are other things going on as well. You know, when, we went, when Europe came in today, we took over from the apex session, which was pretty risk off, as you say, yields lower, stocks a little bit lower, the dollar higher, all typical risk off, you know, plays potentially at its roots is that there's a sort of a realisation amongst investors that despite uh, some countries pressing ahead really well with a vaccine rollout, UK, US, for example, there isn't enough vaccine to go around right now. We know that supplies are building. We know that, you know, the current estimates still suggest that the sort of Western Northern Hemisphere, so the US, UK, uh, Europe should be able to vaccine the majority of its populations by sort of July, August time. But, you know, the unseemly row that we're seeing between Europe and the UK reveals that the current shortage is quite acute. And of course, we know there's a large there are large gaps between advanced economies and, and emerging economy uh, rollout of the vaccine um, and the pretty inefficient rollout of the COVAX program. So, I mean, come, bringing that back to the market, I think it's the combination of this insufficient vaccine right now. And the faster sort of incubation and transmission that we're seeing in the B117 COVID variant, that sparks a bit of fear that, you know, the anticipated Q2 economic rebound might not, this is the thing we're all yeah. thinking about, but might not begin until later in the quarter and yeah, thereby. Yeah, it's, it's looking like that, isn't it? I'm not, I mean, that, this is getting pretty nasty, actually, between the UK and the EU. So the, the EU now has drafted a law, uh, and it's basically saying that, you know, under this law, they would, Ursula von der Leyen has been saying, you know, vaccine uh, delivery it's an open road it should go in both directions but uh if if you've and they're pointing to the fact that the uk has exported none to the eu basically uh, and now they're saying basically that uh, they they will ban or they'll stop vaccine exports to to countries that haven't exported to them and are ahead of them in the vaccine race which means the uk could have to wait a long time to get anything out of the eu and in fact even uh, that the way this law has been drafted, even if AstraZeneca has met its obligations to the EU, they still won't export uh, to the UK if the UK is ahead of them in the, in the vaccine race. So that's pretty ugly, isn't it? <laughs> It is. It's not a good look for Europe, and it really is paying the price now for you know the slow sort of procurement, the sort of wrangling over monies back in the back in the early days. Meanwhile, countries like the UK were really pulling the stops out in just ordering what they thought they'd need and then getting in the sort of logistics as far ago as uh, last September, October, ready for this kind of rollout. So it just, it just contra- two contrasts, really, in terms of the approach well, to they're going to pay the price for it, aren't they? Because they're not going to have quite so many UK tourists uh, going there this summer. So their economy is going to suffer because of that. Yeah, but then, you know, th- this this is what we're seeing now here is is European leaders, the rear guard, and they are cornered and they are really coming out, pulling out all the stops to try and get this vaccine program back on track. And actually, although the market's very focused on the here and now and uh, the sort of ugly display of this of this of this debate uh, and the fact that it is where we are, that it suggests Europe's going to have a slower rollout and a slower economic recovery. Actually, if they're starting to pick things up, they're still on track for something like over 200 million doses during the second quarter. And it's clear that they're finding they're finding doses of AstraZeneca in factories around around the country. They're just not being used, um, you know. It's which also which not suggests, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, again, it's not. It's. I mean, that's a separate question about vaccine hesitancy and whether European citizens just won't take this stuff, you know, come what may. Um, that's a separate issue, I think. But for the, we assume that that they will do for you know health interests, interests of the family, and 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 economic interests, and therefore, right now, you. 
Europe ought to be in the throes of getting things back on track. I mean, I know that the, the, the current news flow doesn't suggest that, but the actions the European leaders are taking and pushing back against the UK, you can see the way the pound has reacted. It's come off its highs because the market realises that it's, 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 it's past the sweet point now, that sort of vaccine speed through that we had that shows the UK was going much faster than everybody else will be delayed because of what Europe's doing and because of delay in production through countries such as India and what have you. So the sort of comparative advantages the UK had seems to have been lost and that in part will be Europe's well, game. Well, we've also seen that comparative advantage in the PMIs as well, didn't we, uh, overnight? So UK services PMI for March from 49.5 to 56.8. Uh, Europe not doing quite so well in the services uh, PMI. Not so well in the services, but I would notice that Germany, from the services point of view, is back above, uh, back into expansion territory. Look at look at the manufacturing. I mean, everybody expects during a lockdown when nothing is open, services to be crimped. It's not. And the point I would make is that services. The declining activity hasn't gone anywhere near what we saw this time last year. It's the manufacturing area that's compensating. And in and in, in Germany, manufacturing activity surged to 66.6 from 60.7. And that dragged up the European manufacturing activity to 62.4. So in Germany, you've got factories talking about record export orders to Asia, especially China, the rest of the European Union and the US, leading to unprecedented factory backlogs of work. French manufacturing rebound. So, you know, in the US, you compare that, the market PMI indicators, these, of course, are not the kind of deep dive ISM uh, recordings that, 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 that give a fuller picture of the US economy. But, you know, they were a fraction higher than February, but below forecast levels and below the levels of EU manufacturing. Um, yeah. And durable goods orders also very disappointing as well out, out of the US overnight. Yes, yes, in, indeed. So for February, durable goods orders down 1.1% on the headline versus a, an up point five forecast. And within this, you know, core capex or the capital goods orders, non-aircraft down 0.8 versus uh, a half percentage point forecast increase. So, you know, you might argue that the comparative or relative advantage that people think that US has in terms of this recovery, despite, you know, the fiscal impulse it's having, isn't, you know, so so noticeable on, you know, in, in some areas. Well, it's been, we've been jockeying for position, haven't we, over the last few months between Europe and the UK and between the UK and the US, between the US and Europe. And uh, yeah, it seems like no one's got a clear advantage now. Everyone keeps on changing position, don't they? Look, in Europe, Ang- Angela Merkel has backtracked on a lockdown that she was going to have on, uh, in, in Easter. Uh, over Easter, she was going to have a, a four or five day lockdown. She's uh, reversed her call on that. But let's get let's get back to bond yields just uh, very quickly, because of course there's a lot of because uh, I mean there's, there's still no clear direction. Are they, are they going up? Are they going down? We, what we do know is we've got over the next uh, twenty four hours we've got a, a heck of a lot of new issuance about to happen. We have we have, and uh, the five year issuance that we went through today was. Uh, was reasonable, much better than the seven year that went through a couple of weeks ago. Remember, after that, we had this kind of, you know, big route in bond markets. Uh, so markets will be watching this very closely. But uh, you, you know, you could all, you could argue. If we are talking about, uh, and I say this tentatively, a, a, a period where there's a bit of risk aversion creeping in, markets not so sure about you know the pace of the vaccine, the pace of the sort of different variants and bits and pieces, there's a bid to safe havens that arguably helps the issuance through these periods. So, and and you know we can also see that yields have backed off a little bit anyway, so the market's just a little bit calmer about things on on, on that side. So. 
Mm. Clearly a watch, but... Um, yeah, and we'll watch that because I think we've got seven years again, haven't we, early tomorrow morning in the United States. Uh, also, initial jobless claims later on tonight as well. We get consumer confidence for Germany, but generally it's all quiet on the Western Front. Although Joe Biden is giving a press conference. Actually, this will be the first time Joe Biden has given a press conference since he uh, became president. And he's going to talk about his infrastructure plan, his Build Back Better plan. Probably nothing concrete, if you'll excuse the pun, uh, in terms of timing, but he'll but no doubt be asked about that. And also geopolitics, uh, no doubt talking about Russia, China, North Korea, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say at the very least. It, it, it will be. I think, as you say, everybody will be looking for any hints on the Build Back Better infrastructure plan. I suspect we won't really get, to your point, anything concrete until he lays this out when he gives his joint uh, congressional address uh, later on in April. Um, but people will be watching, or the markets will be watching for that. I know Janet Yellen today talking, she was asked in Congress about 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 this and about the sort of, you know, the, the taxable element of this and getting the US back onto some kind of sustainable fiscal footing. And, and she was making the point, as she has before, that the US really has you know more sort of fiscal space at the moment simply because of the low debt interest costs but she said the US will need to raise revenue uh, to you know over the longer term to support the kind of spending that this government wants to do so I think that's very much part and parcel of it we may well get the odd phrase from Biden that suggests you know he wants to go that way the question is how does he get that through Congress and I'm sure He'll try and he'll try and whatever he does, he'll try and want to get that through probably before the sort of the recess that we mm. get, uh, you know, in July, mid year. Well, and Janet Yellen seems to be angling for everybody, everyone around the world, to push up their uh, their corporate tax rates so that they could do the same in the United States. Uh, look, uh, well, if you haven't had enough of Gavin, friend, he is back again tomorrow. But for now, thanks, Gavin. Cheers, Phil. Yeah, we know you wanted twice as much Gavin, friend, in the morning. He's back with me tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.